Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terrilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, Caitlin here. I just want to thank you all for listening to Find the Magic. We are so, so thankful for you, our amazing listeners, and we think of you as some of our best friends. This was a review that I read recently that I absolutely loved. It said, the only podcast I religiously listened to. This podcast saved my motherhood. I listened doing laundry, walking, making dinner, sneaking those AirPods in so no one bothers me wherever I can. The mamas are like having coffee with best friends. And can I just insert here? I love this. Amen. They keep it so real. And during the pandemic, bless you girls, this time is so challenging. Sometimes I feel like I am barely getting by, but they make me laugh because they remind you that everyone is going through this thing called life and motherhood even now. Hugs and love from MJ. I just absolutely love this review and these reviews mean the world to us and we read every single one of them. So not only do they mean so much to us, but they actually really do help us here at Find the Magic. So I want to invite you guys, if you haven't already left a review for the podcast, we would love for you to because it truly does help us grow the podcast. And we just want to thank you all our friends for listening and for being here with us. What's up, you guys? Roger Jessup here with the Utah House Doctors. So you just bought your nice new house and what happens when something goes wrong or something breaks? We have you covered. We have vetted several contractors, whether it be from a break in your sprinkler lines or your kid punched a hole in the wall and you just need a handyman. You have access to these people by following our page and these are people that we know and trust. Caitlin here, and I have Hannah and Kelty from the Upbringing Podcast with me today. And their podcast empowers parents to raise amazing kids. And we have had them on the episode with us before. Felicia and Tara Lynn have both interviewed you guys, but we are so excited to have you back on the show with us today. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank We're you. happy to be here. Awesome. So I am really excited to dive in with our listeners about some of the topics that we have going today. But before we do, if you could both just give us an introduction to both of you, kind of who you are and um, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, well, we always introduce ourselves as twins, moms, works in progress, tired ladies. (laughs) There's a whole list. Yeah. Coaches here upbringing. We're coaches in simplicity, parenting, positive discipline, and Rye foundations. And we like to say that we're parenting for sanity and social change one conversation at a time. So acknowledging our, our privilege, acknowledging the power we have in our relationship with our kids and helping parents understand that and reckon with that and use powers beyond control in their parenting kind of when the, the, the toughest moments come up between them and their kids. Right? Yeah. We, we yeah. like to think of the hard <laughs> stuff as the good stuff and all of the challenges that we have with our kids, challenging behaviors and their big feelings as, as opportunities for growth and connection and skill building both them and us. Yeah. We live on a farm, kind of share a farm with our, our two families and we've got, how old are our kids? Kelty? <laughs> they're, they're four, yeah. five, six, and seven. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Birth, birthdays up Coming birthdays always lop them one year younger, older. It's like hard to keep track these yeah. days. Oh, but, yeah. 
Yeah. But we're all, we're kind of co-parenting on a farm here just outside Portland. And yeah, that's, that's us for the most part. Okay. I love that. And I remember from like learning about you guys in the last episode that you guys shared this farm. I love that. And I don't think I remembered that it was in Portland. I actually, I lived in Beaverton area. So right next to Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where we grew up. Yeah. And oh. the farm is actually pretty close to there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Okay. So I lived there only for a summer. We had planned, me and my husband had planned on living there for longer, but anyway, job opportunity came up and it was great, but I loved it there. It is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. It was beautiful. Yeah. We feel pretty lucky. It's early on the farm this morning and all the birds are out and I saw some little deers walking over deer babies walking over here to, to record. It was awesome. Oh, that's so beautiful. Okay, well, as I mentioned, I am so excited to jump into this topic today. So what we are excited to talk about is welcoming a new baby in when there's already existing kids and toddlers in the picture, which is so pertinent for me right now, because Mm -hmm. as many of our listeners know, I am expecting my second baby in September, which I am thrilled about. And me and my husband are so excited, but there also like is a little bit, I know it'll be an adjustment for everyone and I feel like I have seen, you know, other friends and people kind of go through that transition. And so I am really interested on kind of what we can do to make that transition and adjustment the best that it can, both for us and for the rest of our, you know, family members and family. So I would love to kind of jump in with you guys about how we can prepare our toddlers and kids for a new baby. I love that. Yeah. I, we could talk about this all day. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is like our happy place. And I think Caitlin, it's because it, it really affected us so much having our, our second uh, kids, mm-hmm. our sons, our daughters were two. So it'll be kind of similar to, to you and your, and your child. Yeah. But I think that before preparing our kids, we have to kind of find a way to prepare ourselves for this transition. Mm-hmm. And I think that like you just said that you guys are really excited for this, but you're also a little bit apprehensive. And I feel like that's so normal. And I think that there's just so much pressure on us for our older kids. Well, I guess to put pressure on our older kids for them to get along, for them to be as excited as we are about this transition. We always like to talk about a, like an example that they give in siblings without rivalry um, by Faber and Maslish. Kel, do you want to do the example? (laughs) It's such a crazy example. And we use it all the time because it just like blows people's minds, but they basically say, what if one day you were, you were just kind of going about your business at home and your partner came home and said, I have some news. It's really exciting. Our family's getting bigger. I'm going to be bringing home another wife. And you were like, what? And they were like, yes, but it's going to be so exciting. You're going to be such a good co-wife. Our family's growing. I'm going to be spending less time with you, but it's really going to be amazing. And um, you guys are going to be best friends. You're going to be best friends. It's going to be wonderful. Things will change. We don't really know how, but it's going to be great right? I think people don't really think about it from that perspective as an adult. If a change like that swept into their life and everyone was excited about it, you could end up feeling maybe a little bit like gaslit about it. Like why is everyone so excited about this thing that sounds so scary Mm -hmm. and so monumental with so many question marks around it? Yeah. Right. And I think the idea behind it isn't to scare us parents into like feel over feeling and, and worrying about the impact of a new baby on our child or our older children, but just to remember that 
you know, any jealousy or anger or frustration or, or even feelings of loss and grief and sadness that our kids bring up, or even if they don't have it, just remembering that it's probably likely there. It's a really big deal bringing in a, another baby to the, the, the babies that we have. Already. I think that's what conversations yeah. like this are so important because it's so seldom that we really talk about the challenges in the transition. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's such a, an important conversation. Usually we just talk about, it's going to be so exciting. What room colors? what sex is the baby your kid must be so excited and that's kind of all we focus on in the conversations instead of here's how it rocked our world or here are some skills to be building um and bringing your kid in on the transition or mm-hmm. here's some ways to ease that transition or here's some ways to just get serious get honest get frank about what it can look like so you're prepared a little bit mm-hmm. yeah i love that metaphor first of all it's hilarious and it is like when you think about it in that way it's like oh that if that happened, you'd be like, what the heck? No, like I'm not in for this. So it totally makes sense. Like, I mean, that first child especially has had, you know, both mom and dad's attention almost exclusively. And I like to call like me and my husband and my son, the three amigos, because it's like, yeah, we kind of just do everything together and it's so great. And he's so sweet, but it totally makes sense that if a new baby comes into the picture, even if they might like the baby at first, you know, that is a big, big adjustment for their little world. So that's what I think of is that it's like, I'm under no illusions, that it won't be an adjustment to say the least. That's not to say that it can't be great, but yeah, I think it's really good to recognize that for kind of everyone, it is, it is a change. And I think it's a good thing to recognize that it's okay. Maybe when those hard emotions might come up for your toddler, because yeah, like they are, (laughs) they're adjusting to a huge shift in their world. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that metaphor is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, And adjusting for us to it. I love that. I think that, you know, I remember feeling a lot of anxiety about feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my, my girl. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose her. I'm not going to be spending as much time with her right away. You know, the way our, our things shook out, my husband spent more time with, you know, her, she was two, so she could move around, do her own thing a lot more, but he did things differently than I did. And I remember just it being really hard, like hearing them upstairs and not being able to be there for things, you know, not being able to do her bedtime the same way I used to, like not being able to just have my lap ready for her anytime she wanted to jump in it. And Kelty, you had your daughter kind of rejected you a little yeah, bit. Even yeah. before the baby came, she sensed the transition and was just like, no more mama. And was just papa, 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 everything. It was really mm. hard. Yeah. And so I think it, there's, there's a bit of grief that goes with it, not just for our kids, but for us too, as parents. And yeah. I think, like you said, Caitlin, it can be all the things it can mm-hmm. be exciting and sad. Yeah. It can be, you know, monumentally amazing and a little bit anxiety inducing. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think you brought up a good point that it's like for each of you, that transition did look a little bit different for the second kid coming that like that your first child. Sometimes I forget about that too, that it's like every kid is going to respond so differently. I love thinking about that too, because I think obviously I'm excited to get into some, maybe some concrete tips and advice that you, that you both have with approaching this. But I think it's so important to remember that each kid is going to respond a little differently because every kid is, you know, they're handling it in their own way. So I think that's a good, good way to remember that there is no one right way for any of us to handle it. We're all going to handle it in a a different way and that's okay. 
I love that. I think it's, it's so interesting. You know, some folks are like, Oh, we've got the new baby. And you know, my three-year-old is just, they're the best big brother. They like the baby. They love the baby. They're doing right. so great. And we're like, okay, that's great. You know, but, and they're like, everything's going great. Sibling stuff is awesome. And we're like, okay, cool. So and what else is going on? They're like, well, they're not going on the potty anymore. They're not going to bed anymore. And they've been hitting the dog any chance they get. Right. And we're like, oh, so they're not doing so well with the sibling transition. They're like, oh, well, that's connected to the sibling transition, you know? And so we have to remember too, and we'll bring this up in our kind of, we've got three kind of takeaways, ways we can prepare, you know, our older siblings. But I think that it it comes on the transition and the struggle. It can appear for us as parents anytime, you know, from early pregnancy into, into later siblinghood. Here's this, this issue, this issue, you know, and then I think for our kids too, some kids really struggle just knowing we're pregnant. They, they are already struggling some right when we bring the baby home, that's when, you know, challenges arise and then others, it could take a year. And then all of a sudden they're like, who is this? You yeah. know, And they start really struggling. So I, I like that you bring up that idea that, that it's going to look different for every family. And that's what we're trying to, to do here is to just raise awareness. So folks can kind of understand how their family is processing this big transition and what they can do for their particular family. But yeah, we have three kind of uh, general ways to prepare ourselves and our, our older kids. And it's environment and routine is usually the first thing we look at. The second is information. And the third is emotional support. Yeah. And all three of them are based in connection. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, let's dive in. So environment and routine. Yeah. I would love to talk more about all of this because seriously, I am like, I am so in because I'm really excited to learn more about what I Yeah, well, bring, bring your questions to it too. Like if you have any, you know, well, what about this? Or we're doing this. Like, it's really nice to kind of ground it in, in some kind of examples. Examples. Yeah. But yeah, environment routine, I think naturally speaking, we're always like, okay, if we want to reduce stress, then we generally want to have everything the same for our older kids, right? For our older siblings. And this all applies before baby comes, when baby comes and after baby comes. But generally speaking, let's, let's talk about before baby comes since that's where you are. So usually we want to keep things the same. We're like, oh my God, that's how we live, right? As adults, we're We're just like, like, don't change anything if we're stressed out. (laughs) Exactly. Keep it all the same routine, right? That feels secure. That feels safe, that predictability, right? But I think we also have to remember that so much is going to change when the baby comes that if we can move things and change things little by little earlier, if possible, we can't always do this. This can help minimize the transitional impact later. So for example, preparing the nursery or even just having items for the new baby out and available so that the older kids can see it. Mm -hmm. Because I think often we're like, oh my gosh, we're just talking about preparing for the baby and it's going to be real. And it's all these things. And that's just not how kids live for the most part. And then the baby comes home and all of a sudden there's three diaper changing stations. And all of a sudden there's stuff all over the counter. And all of a sudden the the baby's room is set up and there's a stroller in the house for the Mm -hmm. baby and all of, all of these new changes. Right. So Mm -hmm. considering the environment in general is saying, can we create those and bring those up a little bit so that our kids can see what's going on? They can try and climb in the stroller and we can be like, oh yeah, I can't let you climb on here because it can tip so easily and baby's going to be in there. Could we climb over here instead? And that's before baby's actually in it. That would be Mm -hmm. cool. 
you know, let them explore baby's room, you know, before baby's taking a nap and they need to be quiet in there. Right. Mm. And then with the routine, I think also we're like, Oh, keep it, you know, like we said, very simple, but gosh, a lot of transitions are probably going to happen likely if we're privileged enough to have that support Mm. um, when baby comes. So for example, is Papa going to be doing bath time from now on for our two-year-old or four-year-old, you know, if they're going to be doing bath time, once the baby comes, can we think ahead for that and start Papa doing bath time now? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Or if, if we're likely going to be trying to sleep in a little bit with the baby in the morning, or what if potentially we've had a C-section or that kind of thing. And we're, we're going to be in our beds a little bit more is maybe, maybe our partner going to be doing more early morning wake-ups and breakfast than they used to be doing. Can we get that ball rolling now, as opposed to keeping everything exactly the same until our baby rocks our world. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How does totally. that resonate for you? Yes, totally. I am like, I wouldn't have really even thought about that. So this is really good to bring up now because it's like, I still have three months to kind of prepare for this. And that totally makes sense that it's like, if all of a sudden they're, you know, my son's environment is different. Now we have all this stuff out that he hasn't really seen before. Like I could see how, yeah, just setting up those small incremental changes. And I love the idea of letting, you know, my husband or, or whatever those changes might be, but letting my husband maybe doing alone more of those things that maybe we have done, you know, cause like, I think our bedtime routine, we kind of, we do it together and the bath time, like we usually do it together, but it probably might be helpful to like, let him start doing it a little more on his own. So it's not this total shock when I'm not involved in those things. Yeah. I love, I mean, it's like, you're like, this is the last time for the three of us to kind of just be together, the three musketeers or whatever you call yourselves. And so you're like, you want to spend that time together, but you also, you know, the transition, it may be fine for your child. Like they might be like, Oh, Papa's just doing bedtime now. Oh, Papa's just doing bath time. It might be fine. But we primarily work with the parents of spirited and sensitive kids who are like, uh, no, absolutely (laughs) not. This is not going to work. Right. So that's why we're thinking ahead. But yeah, we we also work work with a lot of, of families who maybe have the child caring work split a little bit less than equally going into mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the, the partners often are like, wait, I don't know the routine here. And now I have to go do it while you're with a screaming baby and the, and our toddler is resisting me and oh my gosh. And so how yeah. can we be paving the way for some of those transitions, building the skills in our partner that maybe might not always be there either. Not to say this is your husband, but kind of scaffolding some of those things. Like usually here's how it goes when I X, Y, Z, and just kind of getting clear who does what, mm-hmm. who's, who's usually doing bedtimes, who's usually doing the early part of bedtime time, who's usually doing bath, who's usually taking them to the park and start kind of a little bit more of a divide and conquer mentality just to experiment with in case that needs to happen more full-time when baby comes. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Okay. I'm loving this. Cause first of all, I am, I really am a planner. So this is really helpful for me because it gives me something pretty concrete to do now. And I love the idea of, yeah, just like being able to like, okay, what are some other things that I can do now with my routine and environment, because you're right. Like we do do a lot, some of those routines, like me and my husband both, but naturally because I am home full time with mm-hmm. my son. Yeah. Like he is probably used to me doing most of the things and I could see how I could totally see how that could be just hard to then figure out once I'm just taking care of the baby. So I love like being able to communicate beforehand of like, okay, with my husband, here's some things that we need to get, you know, questions we need to answer or whatever. I like this a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you can even just talk with your husband about like, how about you be in main 
main kind of like primary mode and I'm in secondary mode, even though I'm there. So you're kind of leading the things along and I'm just kind of taking a backseat, even though I'm still sitting, I'm still present with you. And then you can start saying things like, you know, cause when baby comes, daddy's going to be doing this a little more with you. Well, that moves us right into the next one, which is Mm -hmm. information. And I think that's when we can start not just telling our partners, Hey honey, things are going to change up a little bit. I'm going to need you to maybe do more or be the primary or whatever it is. But that's also when we can tell our older Mm -hmm. kids and say, I love doing bath with you. This has just been so special. And it's one of my favorite things. And, you know, in in a couple of weeks or when the baby comes, you know, I'm probably going to be in the living room, you know, with the baby a lot of the time, and I'll be listening to you in the bath. You can run out and and surprise me when you're all fresh and clean. Right. And those types of things so that we can be preparing them even just with our conversation and connection. It's so natural for us to be like, why would I bring up any change? Why would I bring up anything that might make them feel insecure? And I think we have to be floating out these little things as just I'm just meant like preparing them a little bit, just floating a little thing out. Not so when baby's here, I won't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that warning, literal, warning. not <laughs> that literal, but just, yeah. I wonder if I'll maybe be sitting in there while you're in here. I wonder if maybe daddy will take over some bath. That'll be interesting. That'll be a little mm-hmm. different, won't it? Yeah. But all of this is preparing baby to just, or to our older kids to feel more secure. The, the information, if we can present it with a sense of confidence and clarity and connection, that tells them. Um, okay, changes are coming that might feel uncomfortable, but my parent is here. They look really safe. Mm-hmm. They're here for me to process all of this, you know? Yeah. And I think when it comes to information too, we always talk about how we really want to stick to the logistical information with older kids and less the emotional information. We can't tell them how they're going to feel we, as much as we want to, like, you're going to love it. Right. Um, we want to stick to just the basics for them. I think it's hard enough for us to conceive of an actual baby, you know, uh, being born. Right? Yeah. I think it's even harder for our kids to understand what the heck is going on. Right. So mm-hmm. keeping it really simple about the baby that's in your tummy or the baby that's coming from the adoption agency or, you know, when, where it's going to be, you know, where you're going to be, which hospital, you know, what, what general month so that they can know mm-hmm. where the baby's going to sleep. I think we have to remember that kids are, are beautifully egotistical. They're very self-centered in the best sense of the term. And they just really need to know the information that's going to impact them. So we don't need to tell them about the new thing that's going to happen for us at work. They don't care. And they don't need to know that all they need to know is what the impact on them is going to be, you know? So now grandma's going to be picking you up from daycare, right? And we're going to work on maybe doing that a little bit and practicing before right baby comes. Mm -hmm. But I think just talking about those, those plans ahead of time, and maybe even making a book, like a little book that you can have and add details to Mm -hmm. with your toddler or your child. And they can, even if they're older, they can be adding those details to add little stickers or draw little pictures that have to do with it. And they're learning the story of what's going to happen when baby comes and say, it's not going to be exactly like this, but this is kind of what it will generally look like. Mm -hmm. And then you can be checking for understanding. Okay. The next page, this is where I'm going to be when baby comes. Do you remember where that is? The hospital, right? They'll say, right. Oh, remember they have the vending machine with the juices. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably where you'll go when you walk in with Papa. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And maybe you've been there before to my doctor appointment. Like that would be another thing that you could bring them into the routine about is so they know where the hospital is, if you're going to be there, mm-hmm. or they know where you're going to be giving birth in the house and where they're going to go. They'll mm-hmm. be at aunt so-and-so's house. Uh, but kids really love that not just environment to cue them into change, 
but even just the book that they can then review and they can really perseverate over a little bit. And Mm -hmm. then when they get curious, you'll be like, that's a good question. Let's go to the book. Right. Mm -hmm. And, or, oh, that's what, that's good. That's not in the book yet. Let's add that. And so you have a bunch of extra little pages, you know, Mm -hmm. in the back, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. This isn't like a, you know, um, keepsake (laughs) necessarily, (laughs) you know, you're not like crafting. What's the word? Scrapbooking this necessarily, (laughs) unless you're like really fancy and have lots of time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So give me, I'm interested in this book thing. So what would that, like, what would be some of those, you mentioned some of the things like, this is where I'll be when I have the baby. What are some other things that you could, are you kind of letting, and I'm sure it can look a lot of different ways, but I think I'm just trying to picture it for myself. Do you like let the older kid like draw a little bit? Like how, what are some, maybe what are some more things that you could put in the book? Cause I, I do like that idea. I mean, I just want a little more direction. Yeah. I think it all depends on what your child is interested in. So just bringing up the topics of who, where, when, how around like basically the month baby is going to be born. And I think we don't want it to be all about baby. So baby, 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 baby. We want to be like September, Mm -hmm. the month of September when baby's coming, what's going to be changing? Oh, so school and you draw the little school, you're going to be going to the Montessori school, right? That's going to be starting up again in September. Right. And so then you draw a few little things that have like, you know, your your two-year-old is like, oh, we eat apples. So you draw an apple, you know, like, oh, the playground, you love that swings. You draw a little swing. So little Mm -hmm. things that kind of key them into that experience of school. And then, okay, well, where am I going to be? I'm going to be at home, but I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have the baby. And so let's talk about where am I going to be when I have the baby? And so then you draw a little picture of that and just get creative about it. There's no right way to make this book. Mm -hmm. It's kind Mm -hmm. of, you and your child led something you can create together to look forward to baby, um, yeah. but just sticking to the information. And you could always have the page you draw and you could draw it ahead of time and kind of set it up generally, and then fill in some of it as you converse with your child and maybe let them draw or color on this, the page next to it. So they feel like they're kind of contributing to it or adding mm-hmm. to it in some way. Yeah. It can also be yeah. once baby's home, where are they going to be? Do you remember? Let's look through the house. Where, where will, will baby be? And they'll be like in their room. Mm-hmm. So you can draw their room with their little crib and their, you know, where, what happens when they need to go pee or poop? What do we do then? The changing table. So we draw the changing table right. where they're going to be. And so sometimes having a baby too, like a, a mm-hmm. pretend baby for uh-huh. your child can be really helpful um, so that you can place the baby around the house. You can put the baby in the car seat and bring it with you in the car places so that they can be like, Oh, this is where baby's going to be and help them kind of understand a little bit. You can also, and this sounds totally strange, but let them hold baby and take care of that baby. Let them have their own. uh, And that can be their baby even. So maybe you have the pretend baby to show them and then you kind of relinquish it and say, well, we're going to have our baby, but here, this can be your baby. And then they can explore it. They can hit it. They can do whatever they want to do with it. And you'll have it for when the baby actually arrives and you can say, oh, you want to squeeze baby really hard. Let's go find your baby. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I've had friends who have done like the baby doll thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that my, my mom did it. I think when, you know, she had like subsequent children. Um, and I love that idea. So this is cool. Cause I was kind of thinking about that. I'm like, do I give it to him? You know, like when I come home with the baby, but that's an interesting idea to, to give it a little bit before so they can like, maybe you can talk through more things with, you know, their own little baby doll mm-hmm. and they have it leading into when you actually bring the human baby home. That's yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Cause I, I was kind of thinking like, yeah, should I give him the baby 
I don't know, like something to care for when I bring, when I bring the baby home. So that's interesting. Yeah. I would definitely recommend giving it to them beforehand, you know, as much as you can kind of front load beforehand, then they're kind of, they, they've just got the lay of the land a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. be holding baby and being like, where am I going to put baby down? So my two-year-old won't you know, touch them yeah, you can use and it as a simulator for yourself. Exactly. As well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. I love that. Okay. Well, those are, that's awesome. And I really like the idea of, again, all of this kind of beforehand, this is really helpful for me. So then lead me into what the third step is. Yeah. The third step is basically emotional support. So we've done kind of like environmental routine. So that logistical stuff, we've talked about giving information based on the child's understanding and their, their development and, and what's relevant to them. And then the third aspect is the, the third type of connection, which is emotional connection. So I think so often it's, it's, it's easy for us to like Kelty mentioned earlier, just be like, la la la, we're not talking about the baby in the baby elephant in the room, so to speak, like, mm-hmm. let's just keep going and then we'll deal it's with gonna it. Great. It's yep. going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think that especially the older kids, they're experiencing it. They know something's going on. Even your two-year-old knows stuff's going on. Things are yeah. changing. And hopefully they do know things are changing because you've told them and you've shown them. Right. And it's okay to bring it up. I think it's, it's, it's natural for us to want to sweep it under the rug, but I think bringing it up when, when we're in a receptive connected moment with our toddler or our kid being like, so this is happening, you know, and it's, it's going to be different. And just acknowledging that fact, I think sometimes our kids, for whatever reason, their temperament or their development or age, they don't say, sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't say what they're really thinking or going through. They don't say, you know, wouldn't it be great? You know, mom, you know, dad, I'm just feeling so anxious about this new baby coming and Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure how to process it. And I just need a little bit more reassurance. I need a little bit more predictability. I'm I'm worried about my relationship with you. Like they're not going to say those things. So it's us that gets to say that and Mm -hmm. acknowledge that and call that out and say, it's going to be different there. It's going to be hard at times, but we're going to get through this together, Mm -hmm. you know, and then see what they say, see how they respond. They might pretend and just ignore us. They might be like, like, yes, thank you. They might, yeah. who knows? Might be like, okay. Or they, or something might come out like, I don't want baby mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Or we're not going to do that. No baby, or no, no baby, no. you know, and that's okay too. We want to allow mm-hmm. a lot of space in, in our conversations like this to say, things are going to be different and not going right with, but I love you still, or, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But just say, they're going to be different and let that sit, mm-hmm. sit in your discomfort with it for a little bit. And then say, how do you feel about it? Even if this is like a, a pre-verbal toddler, just mm-hmm. let it sit, see what, what comes out. Mm-hmm. Right. And those are the direct talks that we can have with our mm-hmm. kids. I think indirectly we can tell stories, we can use symbolic play. So engage with whatever type of play they like. So if they're into Legos, we can, you know, have like um Lego Ninjago conversation about it, you know, through the, the toys or little dolls. We can talk about, I miss my mommy, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and help them engage kids. Minds really love that symbolic play and then telling stories about what them, when they were a baby, mm-hmm. you know, connecting them to that can just help them feel safe as opposed direct. to a story about yeah. like, you know, when baby comes, you're going to have to be really gentle because baby's really small. We mm-hmm. can say things like, Oh my gosh. I remember when you were born, you were so little. I was so worried. I would squish you because you were so fragile. Babies are, we have to be so gentle with them. Isn't that so interesting? They're so little. 
you know, and making it from them being that baby or making it from a story about us. When, you know, when we, when our sibling came home, when auntie so-and-so came home, she was so little. And I remember thinking, who is that baby? That Mm -hmm. is not my family. Who is that? You know, yeah. Kind of personify our child's perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love working with play to kind of talk through some of these topics as well as giving the story. I really, really like those ideas. And I'm wondering if, well, I was just thinking about, I'm like thinking about my son and I feel like whenever we're around other babies, he seems like he always likes them. He'll like observe them for a little bit and then he just continues on his way. But I am interested, like once it's clear that the baby is not like just a guest in our house, like it's actually there. Just recently he will say no. And he all say like, oh, we're going to go take a nap. It's like, no, no, nap. Like, no, no. <laughs> you know, he's like learns that like, we don't really want to do that, you know? So I'm, I'm like picturing him maybe saying that like, no, no, baby, like I'm, we're yeah. good. so I'm wondering, and I'm sure that, that those behaviors can range depending on the kid, depending on how old they are of like, I really want this and I'm not okay with it. So I'm interested about maybe some more things that maybe you can say, I love that you said like, and I think this is so important always when we're dealing with any sort of challenging emotions or behaviors with our kids is just to like acknowledge it and be okay. Like it's not our job to necessarily, you know, like be like, oh, it's okay. Like, and try to like take away that emotion. We can just be there with the emotion with them. Mm-hmm. But maybe with your experiences with your babies, what are some things that you can do or that you would recommend to kind of handle maybe some of those more challenging behaviors either towards the baby? And I guess this could lead into once the baby's here too, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts there? It's so interesting. Um, it's so often that our second baby's timing coincides with our first toddler kind of coming into their own and really developing that sense of autonomy and independence. And some people call it the terrible twos or becoming a three-nager. We just call it growing up and stepping into their power in this absolutely beautiful way. But it mm-hmm. often coincides with bringing a baby home and it's, it's extra. It's a lot to be dealing with a kid who's all of a sudden starting to not just say, no, no, but like, no, <laughs> you know, this is, it's going to be maybe amplified a little by the transition and by bringing a baby home, but we were talking about the kind of the more direct, like, I don't want baby or no baby's not coming or any of those things. But a lot of our kids' behaviors can be coming out in less direct ways too. Like Hannah had said before and sleep regressions and potty regressions and resistance, putting shoes on and resistance to daycare and just general resistance. Yeah. Or preference to one caregiver or another or controlling behaviors, like not that spoon, or you need to sit there instead of there, Mm -hmm. you know, stress behaviors. We have to, we always talk about like, get to know your partner, your kid's love language. What really, what's their connection language. But I think we also have to remember what's their stress language and we're going to see it. Our child is going to tell us what their stress language is. So the stress from the transition, they might speak directly about the baby. They might try to hurt the baby. All of those things we will, like you said, Caitlin, just respond with empathy and compassion and still with firm and loving boundaries. So Anything they have to say, anything they feel is good. If we want them to transcend those feelings and feel safe in their bodies and their feelings, we need to support it. So we would say, oh yes, you're not wanting baby to come or you wish we could take baby back to the hospital. I get that. And then we would translate and go to the deeper root of it. You miss me. I miss you too. Right. This so has been a big change, is, hasn't it? Yeah. This, I'm feeling that too. This is a lot lately. Yeah. Or what are you needing in this moment? I'm here for you. 
right? I'm sorry. This is tough. I'm sorry. You're not feeling good about this right now. I'm here. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like usually in our minds, we're like, oh my gosh, this is confirming every one of my biggest fears. About Don't this. share this with me. Do again. not share this with me. That's a terrible thing to think and feel, but it's there. It exists. Our kids are going to have those, those tough and uncomfortable feelings and they're, they're rooted in their needs and their authenticity. And so we want to support that believing that the way they express those things are going to change over the years. They're going to pick up uh, more adaptive ways to do it. So I would say the name of the game is just, like you said, validating, listening, acknowledging, and translating, getting to that deeper need at play. You wish you could go outside, right? You're wanting, you know, to be on my lap right now. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeding baby. I'm sorry. I'll be with you in a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think like Kelsey mentioned the more indirect ways when they're not specific specifically talking to or acting out around baby mm -hmm. to remember that that could be their stress language about baby as well. And we have to kind of give our kids the benefit of the doubt that these behaviors and, and big feelings that are coming up, big meltdowns, for example, a lot of folks we work with and who we've had in our course, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they all of a sudden see these massive meltdowns, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in their older kids. And they're like, where did this come from? Right. Yeah. So holding space for those two, holding space, not thinking, oh, like Kelty mentioned regression. It's not necessarily backtracking. It's just struggling a little bit right now yeah. to kind of get their equilibrium again. And they just need our support. They need less pressure, even though they're the older one. I think it could be easy for us to be like, okay, you're older now. You're two, you're like giant compared to this newborn. Mm -hmm. You can like feed yourself and pull your pants on. Come on, please help me. You know, <laughs> all of a sudden we need more help. All yeah. of a sudden we're depending on them to, to do their little older kid things and pick up the slack and clear your plate and get in your car seat. Please. Right. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden they're needing even more help than they did before baby came and it can be really challenging. Yeah. 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 I love that. I, I love the idea of, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but just giving, we talk about giving yourself grace, but also I think it applies to, you know, giving kids grace. And especially in these situations where it is a major transition for everyone in the family. I just think it's so important. There are going to be some things that, you know, they're just not the same and it's okay. Like if they are acting up, like just giving yourself and them some grace to recognize, like, you know, what, this, it is kind of a, you know, this is an interesting transition for all of us. And that's okay. Like it's okay yeah. to recognize that. And I mean, when, when those challenging behaviors happen and those big feelings happen with baby, we go back to the drawing board on environment and routine and information, right? All mm -hmm. of those things can happen again once the baby's here. So we can, instead of saying, don't touch baby, don't get into baby's things, don't sit on baby all, or don't climb on me while I'm with baby, we work on the environment right? So we have a safe place for baby to be in a pack and play or up high on a changing table or in a gated room away mm -hmm. from our kid. So we're saving our kid from themselves instead of adding pressure to their plate and their stress, right? Mm -hmm. So we think about the, the schedule a little bit in the routine, right? Maybe our kid can be napping when our baby's out playing on the floor, right? Or maybe our kid can be doing a, a cooking little thing with us while the little bait, while the infant's napping, like how can we be working the routine and the environment to serve our older child, not just our little baby, who's really yeah. probably on the more flexible side. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I love that. So you gave the steps are, you know, environment and routine, and then information, what information can we communicate and give the logistical info versus maybe the emotional info. <laughs> And then the third one is emotional support. And I love how you're talking about, we can do a lot of this before second baby or third baby, you know, the next baby comes, 
but then also kind of re-looking at those three things again once the baby has come to kind of reevaluate and see where we can where we can maybe add or edit a little bit to make it work for yeah. I mean, all three of them are really mm-hmm. about meeting our our older kid where they are instead of pushing them into this mold of best big brother, amazing big sister must be nice to baby, must comport yourself as the older child, got to pick up the slack and help, got to be nice and smiles, got to roll with this transition in a great way and be (laughs) helpful and be smiley all the time. Forget all of that, right? Mm -hmm. We just want to look at our kids exactly as how they are, how they're showing up today. It might be different tomorrow and just see whatever it is as beautiful, as natural, as necessary, as exactly what they need to be doing to process this transition, right? Yeah, totally. We talk about beliefs a lot. And um, this is something we, we bring up in our course it's called Right From The Start. And we have a whole module on siblings and supporting siblings. And that was one of the most popular modules mm-hmm. that most of the parents uh, gravitated toward because it's not just new parents, it's secondary parents and tertiary yeah. parents. But I think one of the biggest things that people come into after preparing for baby, they realize, okay, so this is the situation. My, my two-year-old or four-year-old or six-year-old or eight-year-old is struggling a little bit, maybe hitting the baby, talking you know, negatively about the baby, you know, fighting with the baby. Once the baby begins to be mobile, they won't share toys. They're, you know, bonking each other. And I think we have to keep remembering that conflict inherently is not just bad between our, our siblings. It's actually really valuable. It's how they learn about themselves and one another. And, and the other, you know, it's how they figure things out. It's how they connect in a huge way. Connection isn't just through when they're like cuddling together or older kids holding the baby or helping out. That's beautiful. But connection can also be when they're struggling together. That's a beautiful opportunity to build awareness and, and skills with them. And I think that that leads to our goal, which I think often our goal as parents is harmony, that everyone just needs to get along. That tells us that we're doing a good job and that our family is a loving family. And really it's actually just connection that, mm-hmm. that is like our goal. Mm-hmm. And then it asks us what our role is as the parent. You know, I think oftentimes between our, our, our siblings, we're like, we're the judge, we're the jury, we're the hall monitor, we're the matchmaker. Oh, they're going to be best friends. Or we're the baby protector. You know, yeah. Right. right? And I think that can put us in a high pressure, high stakes role between our, between our kids. And I think we have to remember that we don't have to do any of that. We can just be what Kelsey and I call sensitive support staff, which is just a loving mediator saying, this is their relationship. I'm going to keep them safe. I'm going to help translate and support their skill building, right? Because they have no skills yet. And that's all I need to be doing over and over again, over time, you know, and then secondarily, can I be working on my fears, my beliefs, my own sibling baggage, possibly that I'm bringing into this, into Mm -hmm. their relationship, essentially. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. So going into it with recognizing maybe what are some of our beliefs around our kids, sibling relationship and conflict. And I love that you said that conflict, I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it and not always what we think of when we think of conflict, that it can be a way of connecting. And it's true. Like when I think about my growing up years, I feel like I have a really good relationship with my siblings now, but we for sure had conflicts growing up. And I don't think that was a bad thing. Like it was okay. It, it taught us a lot of things about how to deal with people, you know, deal with people in general. So anyway, I think that's a really good way to look at conflict is that it, it can be a way of connecting too. And 
Right. I I think we can really easily, so easily go into that victim and aggressor territory, even with a newborn baby before our kids are even on their own fighting and pulling toys from one another's hands and slamming doors and doing those things as like older siblings. Mm -hmm. I think we can so easily accidentally start out them on this vicious cycle of you're the good one. You're the bad one. You did this right. You did this wrong. You hurt her. You were hurt. And we can be be tiptoeing into that shame territory that we really don't want to get into Mm -hmm. in the name of teaching. We want our older kids to know what's okay and what's not okay around baby. Mm -hmm. And as baby grows, but the last thing we want to be doing is shaming them for their absolutely natural impulses to get their needs met, to explore, to express their feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think when we think of conflict and when we think of our older siblings, maybe struggling and and hurting our younger ones, we have to just remember, okay, there's no good or bad. There's this isn't as binary as, as we normally think of it that way. We don't need to be the rescuer in their victim aggressor triangle, right? Mm-hmm. All we have to do is look at this as, okay, unique needs needing to be met, right? Mm-hmm. My older sibling has these unique needs and these skills. My younger sibling or baby has these unique needs and skills. How can I support them in getting those needs met? That's my job as the mediator, right? Seen yeah. this a million times, don't need to be shocked or offended about it. Creating a negative association around these struggles and conflict tends to make them worse. So, you know, we talk to folks a lot about saying, how can you just stay neutral or even stay curious about all of these things? Mm. You know, I think that we often think, wow, conflict, the the amount of times our kids fight or the mean words they say to each other, that affects their ultimate relationship. So we want to minimize that right now, Mm -hmm. but it's the opposite. I think that all of that conflict can be really healthy for them. And I think one of the biggest predictors of our, of our kids' future relationship isn't how often they fight. I think it's us and how we show up as best Mm -hmm. we can in those moments. Yeah. I really love that. And I think I think you bring, again, a really good point that it's like when an infant comes in, like when a newborn is coming in to your family situation, it's okay to expect maybe some challenging behaviors and things like that. Even if it's not directed directly towards the baby, that could come out, but that it's okay. And yeah, I just, I love the idea of like recognizing that we can still set the boundaries to keep both of our children safe because I mean, even if the older kid is wanting to hit or do something to the baby, it's keeping them safe too. If we can create those boundaries to stop those behaviors from happening whenever we can, but also recognize that those, those emotions and things that are coming from it is totally healthy and really normal for their developmental behavior. So I think all of those things are very, for me, really comforting to think about going into this transition that it's like, I love that, that however our kid's going to handle it. It's going to look maybe a little bit different and being okay. And being this, I love that you said the sensitive support staff in this transition. Yeah. I just, I love that. Those just, if we could tell everybody who's expecting a a second or third kid, just like you said, Caitlin, it's so normal and it's going to be okay. You know, you can look at your partner or tell a friend later. Okay. So I guess we're, you know, struggling through this now. So guess what happened today? This isn't, oh my gosh, they walked in and just bopped the baby before I could even get there. Just let it all out on, on those trusted adult friends. Right. right? But, but know that it's going to happen. It's Mm going to happen at some point and it's healthy for 
it to happen. So when it does give your partner a high five, okay, our kid is processing this. Let's do this. You know, (laughs) it's not a negative sign. You're not in trouble. Nobody did anything wrong. This is so normal and natural and necessary for the evolution, for the development, for, for the, the roots to be set for your family. Those, those are good roots. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you both so much for kind of giving, giving us these tips and strategies for how we can welcome new babies into our families and kind of adjust into those transitions. This has been so, so helpful for me and I know it will be for our listeners. So for, as we're kind of wrapping up, I wanted to ask you just a couple of things. So first of all, if you could just tell our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about you. And you mentioned the course that you guys have in regards to welcoming a new baby. And so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so folks can find us at upbringing.co. And then we're also on Instagram at upbringing.co as well. So we do weekly lives. We've got guides, prints, side-by-sides. We've got a, a big community that we just, we love um, connecting to folks. And then the course that um, we're launching again at the end of June here is called Right From The Start. And it's for those who ha- are expecting a baby or have a baby in the first year. It's supporting parents through that and helping them find what's right for them. And so we have nine modules, one of them being sibling which is a huge module. We are doing this with Jen Luminen of Your Parenting Mojo. So we teamed up together to do it. And today we're offering your listeners a freebie called the Right From The Start Roadmap. So it gives a kind of beautiful overview and introduction to the course and answers questions and, and kind of gets the lay of the land, so to speak, of that first year. I think so often our registries are like all the things we need and we've got the birth plan, but then, oh my gosh, what do we do after the baby's actually born, whether it's our first baby or second or third. Sometimes we, we want to do it a little differently, you know, this time, or we're juggling a lot of other things and we just need to be like, okay, what's my job again? What's my kid's job? What's my baby's job? How can I juggle all of this? So Mm -hmm. that's what the course seeks to support. And we've got a circle community bi-monthly coaching calls that go along with it. We're going to be launching the last week in June. So we're really excited. And I think we'll, we'll send that your way so you can put it in your show notes. Awesome. Okay. Well, I am really excited for that. And yeah, we will put it in our show notes as well as our email. So our listeners can keep an eye out for that. Great. Okay. Well, that is perfect. And then we just want to end with the question that we always end with those that we interview. And that is what is one habit that helps you find the magic in your everyday life? Oh, I feel like we got (laughs) stumped last time too. I I don't know. The first thing that popped into my head is gratitude. I feel like I'm just trying to make that a habit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say just getting goofy, like Mm -hmm. humor. I think with a new baby, with toddlers, with older kids, with this baby transition happening, we can so easily lose our sense of humor and get really serious because it matters so much. And with Mm -hmm. so much responsibility and we love our kids and our babies and partners so much. And it just feels like a lot at stake. So it's kind of two part thing. Mm -hmm. We can be grateful for what we've got and what's happening and see that with this kind of gratitude, but also to say like, we don't have to take this so heavily. We can, we can engage with this with humor and grace. Uh, It's kind of the flip side of gratitude. I think Mm -hmm. that can help us uh, a lot and really help us work with our toddlers as well. Cause they are just so primed for humor. Yeah. So I hope that you use that as well in your transition. We'll be thinking of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And I love what both of you said. I feel like I tend to, I think when I start to get a little stressed or anxious, just my natural tendency is I think I do take myself too seriously. And I think that is actually something that I have tried to like work on is just taking a step back and being like, okay, I need to like, just like laughing a little bit about it where it's like, it is okay. And maybe this is not as serious as I think. So I love that. Like 
just not take yourself too seriously be okay with and finding the humor in in our lives because I feel like especially with kids man they are funny they are hilarious and I feel like that's actually a gift that mm-hmm. they give us so I mm-hmm. I really like that you bring that up and like being able to see that and choosing to see it and I love gratitude I feel like oh man I could talk about that for a while so thank you both those are both magical tips for sure thanks Caitlin yeah this is so much fun yes thanks so much for coming on with us and we are excited to to post this for our listeners too. So I feel like this will be so helpful. So thank you so much and let's find the magic. Me, 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 me. Brown cows. <laughs>